The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hey, this is Alexis Haynes, and welcome to Recovering from Reality, where I illuminate the messy and magical path of coming home to yourself. Whether you're on the road to recovery, seeking self-care techniques for surviving the capitalist machine, or just need a moment to remember that you're not alone in your loneliness, we're serving up the ultimate truth. Your challenges don't define you. How you deal with them does. So, are you ready to recover from reality? I can break it down simple to what we know. People are just waiting longer and longer and longer to have kids. You know, when we look back at our parents, our grandparents, you know, my grandmother had was married and had kids in their early teens. And my parents were done having kids by their mid-20s. So when you get started in your early 20s and by mid-20s you're done growing your family, your fertility is at its peak. I think it's a combination of women waiting longer. I think it's a combination of men waiting longer and sperm quality slightly going down, even though men are still producing. But women are born with the number of eggs they have, and it continues to decline rapidly, the number and also with that, the quality of eggs too. So staying and postponing child rearing to a later age is actually one of the worst things that someone can do. That was a quick clip from this week's episode with Dr. Gadir, who actually has a podcast on Dear Media called The Fertile Life. I wanted to sit down. I actually did a swap with him and I think my episode's out. So if you want to go and learn more about my experience as a birth doula and my experience with my pregnancies and birth in general and my take on it, please head over to the For a Life podcast to listen more about that. But I was really excited to have Dr. Gadir on the podcast because I personally am someone who struggled with infertility. And I really think it's important for people to be informed about their reproductive health and their options. I personally don't feel like we received enough education growing up about how our bodies work and what we need to do to protect our fertility. And that's why I wanted to have this conversation today. I know many of you know that while I had a healthy pregnancy with Harper, I did end up having a bit of a challenging delivery. I was planning a home birth and that turned into a C-section when I pushed her butt out at home. You know, I had I had a great experience overall and then after having Harper, I ended up having multiple fertility issues. And after losses and an entire year of trying, I finally got pregnant with Dakota. Um, My pregnancy with Dakota was certainly not an easy one. I ended up doing that um, blood test at 10 weeks that looks for chromosomal abnormalities. And they called me at 12 weeks pregnant and told me that she had this chromosomal abnormality called trisomy 13. Trisomy 13 is not like trisomy 21, aka Down syndrome. It's usually uh, life-threatening and most of the babies either die in utero or are stillborn or die within hours or days after giving birth to them. And 
I, you know, ended up really having to go through this challenging time where, you know, my doctors didn't even know what to do. My OB told me to go and get a CVS test done, which is where they go up in through your cervix and collect a sample of your placenta and test it for chromosomal abnormalities. I did do that at 13 weeks. It did come back positive. And at 16 weeks, my doctor, my OB advised me to have a termination. As we know, Dakota is on the spectrum, but she certainly did not end up having trisomy 13. So I was in this really challenging position where it was like, I needed to have the strength and I had, you know, first of all, I had the privilege of having good health insurance and money to be able to seek a second opinion, but I'm so grateful that I did end up going and getting a second opinion because I just had a feeling that she was going to be okay. And so I asked my OB if I could follow up and have an amnio done, which is when they stick this really big needle through your belly to collect a um, sample of amniotic fluid, which they can't do until after, I think, 17 weeks. And so I, I went ahead and did that. And I asked my OB, you know, if, if he was okay with that. And he said, well, you know, if it comes back positive and you want to have a termination, like I don't do late term terminations and I won't do it for you. And so, you know, again, like having access to comprehensive and supportive healthcare for women is just so important, but he wasn't willing to do that. And I said, okay, well, then I am going to risk, you know, possibly my life to move forward with this pregnancy and to do an amnio. And so I went ahead with the amnio and at 20 weeks, so halfway through my pregnancy, we got the call that it was negative. And I went on to have a high-risk pregnancy with Dakota. I was hospitalized, several issues, I did end up having a VBAC, which is a vaginal birth after cesarean. I'm so glad that I did because it ended up saving my life. I had a pulmonary embolism, which is blood clots in your lung that my doctor, my OB was not aware of. And had I had a C-section, I could have died. 30% of women who end up having a PE, especially in their lung, do not make it. So... I was really fortunate that I made it out of that. Um, And then follow up a few years later, I was diagnosed with PCOS, also known as polycystic ovarian syndrome. And as many of you know, if you follow along with me on social media, I have had many pregnancy losses since even as recent as this last winter. So, you know, it's just so important that we get informed and that we learn about our bodies and how they work and continue to advocate for ourselves. And I think it's really sad that we have to do as much advocacy as we we do because so many women have symptoms of PCOS and never get diagnosed or have issues with fertility and never are able to get to to the root of it. And so unfortunately... Fortunately and unfortunately, it's up to us to take care of our reproductive 
healthcare, and to make sure that we're taking care of ourselves. And so with that, I am excited for you guys to hear this week's episode. And again, head over to the Fertile Life podcast to hear me on Dr. Gadir's podcast. And I hope you guys all have a good week. Here's this week's episode. First, I just want to say congratulations for having a podcast on the network. Oh, thank you so much. Why don't you give our listeners just like a little bit of background? How did you end up working as a fertility specialist? I think think that's a good way to start. So I'm Shaheen Gadir. I'm one of the um, founding partners of Southern California Reproductive Center and the heart of Beverly Hills. We're considered to be one of the largest premier fertility practices in the country. And I started to, well, when I started to do my obstetrics and gynecology residency, at Kaiser Permanente on Sunset Boulevard over 20 years ago. I love Kaiser Sunset, by the way. It just has a birth doula. I just love it there. <laughs> I absolutely loved it there. And I absolutely loved my residency program there. I realized that I, I wanted a little something more. And the connection that you make with an obstetrics patient is a lot. But the connection that I felt to a fertility patient was even stronger. It was a area of medicine that was advancing and still continues to advance every single day, which I really loved. And I just found it to be an area that I could really connect. I have my undergraduate degree in psychology, which allowed me to bring a lot of the mental well-being and supportiveness that I bring to the patient, being a fertility specialist. It just all kind of just came together. Some people are like, oh, it's so boring and it's so monotonous. I really love that. I, I'm an expert in something that does not have 30 different options. It has a few different options that we learn how to manage really, really well, give the best outcomes. And our IVF lab where I work is one of the number one IVF labs in the country. And that's how it's led me to have a very luckily a beautiful career in the world of fertility. I love that. So I definitely want to dive into the mental health component of of having fertility issues. Um, But first for our listeners, can you give us kind of like a breakdown of what is happening with infertility in America right now and why we're seeing, based off of what I was researching before I came in, and of course, I'm not a scientist or a researcher, but I was doing the best that I can, rising numbers of infertility in both men and women. So that's a really good million dollar question. I can break it down simple to what we know. People are just waiting longer and longer and longer to have kids. You know, when we look back at our parents, our grandparents, you know, my grandmother had was married and had kids in their early teens. And my parents were done having kids by their mid-20s. So when you get started in your early 20s and by mid-20s you're done growing your family, your fertility is at its peak. I think it's a combination of women waiting longer. I think it's a combination of men waiting longer and sperm quality slightly going down, even though men are still producing. But women are born with the number of eggs they have, and it continues to decline rapidly, the number, and also with that, the quality of eggs too. So postponing child rearing to a later age is actually one of the worst things that someone can do. But there's so many reasons that we, I mean, we're almost at this point and in, in, in where we're at societally, like 
strong armed into doing that, right? Because you go through school and then you're expected to go to college. Most people have to have both parents working in order to survive right now. And you go through school and maybe you have student loans or things that come up and you're just not really ready to have that baby until you're at a job where, you know, you are well established and you can do that. I agree. I agree 100%. And I don't think that women, I don't think the message I ever want to come across to be that women should have kids at a younger age when they're yes, not ready of at course. all. But the message that I want to give is that people have to be proactive. Yes. So if you need to buy a car, you start saving when you're a teenager and put a little bit of money aside every month until you're ready to buy a car when you're going off to college. If you are thinking about having kids, maybe you start a second little fund where you put a little bit of money in it every day so that the day you hit your late 20s or early 30s, you are ready to be able to spend that money on yourself to protect your fertility. Now, more and more insurance carriers are providing that I love Netflix and I love Disney and I love Google and Apple because they are providing that service now that gives extensive amount of coverage for you to be able to go out of your way and freeze your eggs and it's completely covered. So what does that look like? I have a girlfriend right now who is just turned 31 and she's in a relationship with an older gentleman who has already had kids. He's not sure if he wants more. She feels like maybe she does. What what does that look like? Is it super invasive? Is it pretty per- easy to do? A perfect scenario of a typical patient that comes into my office. So your friend needs to protect her own self and her fertility for the future. The process of freezing your eggs until you decide really what's right for you because you just don't know. Maybe he wants the kid. Maybe he doesn't. Maybe they're not together in two years or in seven years when her fertility has declined is very simple. Patients that come in 99% of my patients tell me at the end of this process that was so much easier than I ever thought it was going to be. We do a consultation and these days we're doing 99% of them by phone. You're in your home, you're comfortable, you're sitting at your table or your desk taking notes as we're talking, talk about your history, about your menstrual cycles, about your overall health, your overall goals of kids. And then we have you usually come in with your period. You give us a call. We have you come in on day two, three, or four of your cycle. We do an ultrasound and a blood test. And if everything looks good, we generally put you on a birth control pill for a week or two, unless you have a history of blood clots. Uh, <laughs> hey, Amy, we were just talking about this. If you guys haven't listened to me, I don't know if it'll be out yet, but I am going on the Fertilife podcast and it will hopefully be out by now. And you guys can listen to that whole story. But yeah, no, no birth control for me. We had a, we had a blast talking. But yeah, so if you're allowed to have birth control, we generally put you on a birth control pill for a week or two to stop your natural ovulation cycle. And it allows us to take over. And from the birth control, we transition into these daily self-administered injections that give your pituitary gland in your brain a signal. And then the ovary is then signaled from the pituitary and the ovary starts to produce its own estrogen. We are not injecting you with estrogen because people think that we're injecting them with hormones and we're not. We're injecting with, with precursors of hormones, signalers to the pituitary gland to help your body make its own hormones, which are the fuel for eggs. And then your ovary will start making a lot of eggs. So those injections generally last about 10, maybe 12 days. And during those 10 to 12 days, you'll probably come into my office maybe three or four times to see how your eggs are growing by doing ultrasounds and blood tests. And towards the end, we'll say, hey, Alexis, you're doing good. Your eggs look like they're ready to come out. We'll give you this one final shot called the trigger shot. And exactly 36 hours later, I will see you in my surgery center. 
under a really light sedation. You just fall asleep for about three to five minutes. You wake up and the eggs are removed. We place an ultrasound vaginally that has a needle at the tip. The needle helps kind of extract the eggs. It's called an egg retrieval procedure. And then the eggs all go to the IVF lab where they're looked at and all of the mature eggs are then frozen for you to have that are waiting for you for the entire rest of your life. The younger you do this, the better quality eggs you have. If you come in at a much older age, just expect that not all of your eggs are gonna make you a beautiful child. I am a huge fan of Peak Tea and all of their wellness products, specifically their vitamin C. Our natural collagen production starts to slow down in our 20s. Vitamin C is vital in the production of collagen and plays a key role in keeping it plump, supple, and glowing. Liposomal vitamin C is maximized for absorption to support healthy collagen levels for healthy skin and to provide immune support. Full of antioxidants from organic elderberry superfood complex that helps smooth and brighten skin for a dewy glow, helps combat hyperpigmentation and sunspots and sun damage from within. And I love that it just makes a great addition to my skincare routine, especially since I already use a topical vitamin C serum. Bonus is that it has seven clean ingredients. That's it. It's the beauty wellness shot that I look forward to taking every day and it actually tastes delicious. It's non-GMO, no soy, no refined sugars or preservatives. I also will say that I love all of their teas too, especially their matcha. So, so good. Right now you can get this limited time special offer and get 5% off plus a free peak sample pack containing six of their best-selling teas when you buy two or more cartons of their daily radiance. The link for that is peaklife.com slash reality. That's P-I-Q-U-E-L-I-F-E dot com slash reality. Use code reality at checkout. I know that for me, comprehensive sex education was not something that I received growing up and it left me with tons of unanswered questions. That's why I love this company, Cheeks. It's a subscription-based sexual wellness platform that offers authentic adult films and tutorials, erotic audio stories, plus educational workshops and articles on sexual wellness. Cheeks offers sexual entertainment plus education. They want to inspire inspire their members, but also educate them on how to achieve a better sexual life with educational workshops and articles. Cheeks offers ethical and fair porn. I mean, so important, you guys, where performers and everyone involved are treated fairly. Real and authentic sex is depicted on Cheeks. All bodies, genders, skin colors are included. Cheeks offers female-friendly porn that doesn't give you that ick feeling. They also offer a modern and delicate aesthetic that doesn't make you want to delete your browser history. With my code recovering, you can access Cheeks for free for 14 days when you select the annual subscription option. If you feel like it's not for you, you can cancel at any time during the trial period. So go to getcheeks.com. That's G-E-T-C-H-E-E-X dot com or click the link in this week's episode description and use the code recovering to access the promo. Again, that's getcheeks.com with the promo code recovering. Hi, I'm Claire Mazer and I'm Erica Cerullo. We're the co-host of a podcast called A Thing or Two. It comes out every Monday and the basic premise is this. We share all the stuff we think more people should know about. 
So that's apps, recipes, books, the nationwide haagen vanilla bean shortage that nobody else was talking about. Our no one. No one. <laughs> our preferred vacuum brands, of which we have multiples, and critical explorations of our unique approaches to paper towel usage. Listen, we think you're going to like it. A lot of people do. And who's to say you'll be any different? Listen and subscribe wherever it is you listen and subscribe to podcasts. I think that so much of it is is like the stigma and I and I love the fact that it's kind of going away that my girlfriend feels comfortable enough to talk to me about this because I'm a doula but also to talk to her boyfriend about it and to say hey this is something that I'm wanting to do. Are you willing to pay for this? Because it is kind of like an insurance policy for them too. Like I'm willing to wait and explore and see what happens. And maybe you do one kids or maybe you don't, but I want to do an egg retrieval and freeze my eggs just in case. So I think that's a very smart way of looking at it. There are a lot of fine. So someone may be listening and say, shoot, I don't work at Netflix. What do I do? So the there are a lot of financing options. Our office has contracted with some financing institutions that allow you to get the cost of it down to like about $160 a month. And if anyone looks at my Instagram page, um, I love these little ads or these little posts that we put, which like a picture of a shoe with a, a red bottom on it. Mm-hmm. It said, so shoes or freeze my eggs or a night out on dinner and it's a piece of lobster and it says dinner out one night or freeze my eggs. Yeah. So I know that maybe $100, $200 a month is not that easy for everyone, but it's in some ways doable. So if you really, really need to do this, you can definitely, definitely go out of your way and make some, do some shifts in what you, what you prioritize to freeze your eggs. And a month from the time you start, you are done. So it is not a six month process. I had people that came into my office and like, I thought this was going to cost me $50,000. Right now we have specials that take it down to about six and a half thousand dollars. We just put together a special. It was my idea and my entire marketing team and my partners loved it. So if you come in with a friend, you both get a discount. If you come in with two friends, so there's three of you, all three of you get a bigger discount. This isn't just, it's good for our practice to get more patients in, but I realized that One of the biggest setbacks and fears of women is coming and doing this alone without a lot of support from a partner. So I have had people come in with their boyfriends and they both understood how important it is for her to do this. But at the same time, I think when you do this with another friend or two friends and you make it a group event, it goes a lot smoother. You have the support, you have someone to talk to, you have someone who understands exactly what you're going through. And we have had now couples, patients coming in, groups of three people at a time that are doing unbelievably well and they're there for each other and I think it's one of the cutest things and they got the biggest financial benefit of doing it as well. I think it's smart. I think that you know, being proactive with your health is really important. I think that for fertility as you know, as a doula who looks at more of like a holistic view of of fertility and as someone who had fertility issues and decided to try the holistic route before we went into the more um, Western medical route, I think that, yeah, like being proactive and like mentally being able to, because so much of it is like the mental and stress part, right? Like she's feeling the pressure to have a baby. And so maybe she's eating well, maybe she is doing acupuncture, maybe she is tracking her cycles and making sure that her stress levels are low. But there is the, yeah, that mental piece where it's like, you feel like that ticking clock against you once you're in your thirties, that like the time is now, the pressure is on to like have that baby 
And maybe you're just not ready for it yet. I think you need to take the pressure off of you knowing that you froze your eggs. Obviously, freezing the most number of eggs at the youngest age is the best. So knowing that you're postponing and postponing is also taking your chances down as well. So it's one of those discussions. I think one day it's going to come that everyone graduates college and then goes and freezes their (laughs) eggs for a month. And that's like the best college gift you can ever give anyone. I think one day it'll get there. We are really far from there because it has been such a challenge over the last 10 years of egg freezing to even be able to get discussions about it. Mm. And I think you 100%, you said it, it is a stigma involved with like, oh my God, I thought, I never thought in my life I'm going to be this age and I didn't have a baby and I didn't have, but then a lot of things happen. I mean, there are, we have unbelievably successful women walking into my office that probably if they were a mom of three right now could never have reached that level of success. And there's double standards for men and women because men continue to make that yeah, sperm to the day they die. That's a systemic issue too. Like, I mean, she should technically be able to be a mother of three and reach those goals, but it's just in the work environment, there's not really space for parenthood. I will say parenthood because I feel like men and women should receive the those, those benefits, right? Of paid maternity or paternity leave and time off and space to create your family while working is important. But yeah, I mean, for men, they just, they have sperm until they die. And there are so many women that I talk to that do not understand that they are not creating more eggs. So I have women that come to me and there's a very big blood test in my field right now called AMH, the anti-malarian hormone. The AMH comes from your eggs. So when we check your blood test, it could be checked at any time of the month. It doesn't have to be on your period, off your period, makes no difference. It's a simple blood test that your OBGYN, your general doctor or your fertility doctor can do. And it interprets into if the level is low, you have low eggs and very few eggs. And if the level is high, you have a lot of eggs. So this simple blood test done on a routine basis, once every six months, once every year, can tell you if you're like, whoa, things are beginning to go down quickly, or you know, you're doing pretty stable. This is the kind of thing you want to do when you're doing well. Okay. You don't want to wait to see a major decline and then decide to go do a fertility treatment and spend all that money when things have already gone downhill. I just think it's so interesting. I think that there's a piece to the education piece is really important. I don't think that, I mean, we're having conversations right now across the country about like comprehensive sex education and what this looks like and having these conversations. But I do think that this is important. Like at my yearly visit with my GYN, who I love, and I'm doing my pap smear and my checks and all of the things, never once has anyone said like, hey, let's just get like a quick blood test and see like how your eggs are doing. We're getting better, but your OBGYN has like 50, 60 people to see during a day. And this is why people have to be proactive themselves. I have a big number 30. Like if by 30, you have not had kids or doesn't look like kids are on your horizon, or you want to have a few kids and you haven't really started, you must start thinking about your future. And I think the message is so not out there in our country right now. And to be honest, all the other countries are behind us when it comes to this. And in some countries, freezing your eggs is even illegal, which I can't even comprehend. But many, many, many countries, their fertility scientific ways of doing what we do is not even existent yet. And they're so behind us. So you have to be proactive. It's something that you've got to put on the forefront. And for women that want to kind of excel in the world and also make sure that they've protected themselves for fertility, you will have to take a little break and do something for this important thing. 
Yeah. I I think it is great that we are starting to have these conversations and hopefully being proactive will start to become uh, a conversation in most doctor's offices when we're talking about our reproductive health and overall well-being. Just out of curiosity, because we considered IVF when we were considering a surrogate after my second, what is kind of like the ideal amount of eggs that you retrieve in an egg retrieval? It's a really good question, and I don't know how to answer that perfectly. Mm -hmm. The original studies that came out when egg freezing began in very young women showed that you needed about 8 to 20 eggs to get a live birth. So our science has become much better. There have not been good studies ever since, and no one knows what your quality of egg is. So I like to tell people, if you want to have a bunch of kids, you better have a bunch of eggs. The younger you freeze your eggs, the better their quality. The older you freeze your eggs, the poorer their quality will be. So the bottom line is that the more eggs you have, the better. I think the eight to 20 number is probably a safe number, but I've had people make two eggs and then got two kids out of it. And then I had people that made 20 eggs and didn't get one kid out of it. So it's really hard to know. And there's also the lack of ability to test an egg just by getting an egg out. When you put an egg and a sperm together and you make an embryo, we are able to genetically test it and tell you if it's genetically normal and healthy or not. But when it's just the egg alone, it's not possible. Yeah, because there's steps, which I learned about too. And that, that last piece is optional, doing the genetic testing but I can't imagine like not spending all of that money and going, I mean, sure, there's people out there that are like, if my child had Down syndrome, no big deal, it's okay. But after my experience with Dakota with the trisomy 13 scare, like I just would never, I just could never. Yeah, I, okay, that makes me feel happy. I want to touch base about the genetic testing because in my office, 99.99% of my patients do genetic testing. If your clinic is not doing genetic testing or not recommending it or telling you that it damages or destroys embryos, they probably don't know how to do the biopsy and to do all the steps of what we do really well. There are some people that just believe in putting a blind embryo in and if it's bad, maybe it fixes itself. I'm sorry. I'm much more about science and I'm much more about putting a healthy embryo in that I know is going to implant and has close to 80% chance of implanting than just putting a blank embryo that you don't know what's going to happen. Yeah, I agree. All right. So I want to shift into stress and fertility. The big S word. The big S word. I, I constantly am reading articles about how many people are suffering with their mental health in this country and also who are con- who consider themselves to be chronically stressed. So can you give us kind of in layman's terms, like how does stress affect our fertility for both men and women, but mainly women? So this is a really good topic. I love the work that you do in mental health advocacy. I feel like I'm a mental health advocate of every single one of the patients of mine that walk in the door. And I feel like my team is as well. So having support in your life, I think goes a long way. But knowing that stress can affect every aspect of your life, I think now everyone knows that. We are all aware, especially after 
a pandemic, what stress can do to you. You know, what's crazy is that in the beginning of the pandemic, when like everything shut down and we were at home, I feel like I was like the least stressed I'd been in years. Like going on a beautiful run around my neighborhood, I'm like, wow, my neighborhood is beautiful. I saw trees and flowers that I never even noticed before in my life. You know, sleeping in later and just relaxing and lounging, it was probably one of the best things. And I, we were talking about this earlier, you know, in the European culture, you get no matter what kind of job you have, you have at least six weeks of vacation. You take two to three solid weeks of vacation every summer, you are a reset. In the United States, it is go, go, go nonstop. The stress of our life in our country is so much with the way that we teach everyone that you have to continuously work to achieve, to move up, to do this, to do that. And I think the stress can definitely affect your fertility. I think stress affects the quality of eggs. I think stress affects your menstrual cycle. I think it, it affects your ability to conceive and implant. I have literally seen a patient of mine do four IVF cycles that were unsuccessful. And she said, before I start my egg donor cycle, I'm going to go on a vacation. She went for a week and a half to the Caribbean and came back pregnant. Okay. And I love this story. And I've said it a million times because it showed to me the second she just let go and she decided to just relax about this topic, she did well. She did really, really well. So it has to be addressed and you must have mechanisms to reduce stress. In this day and age, if you don't have some kind of coping mechanism that reduces the stress in your life, you're going to have some troubles, especially in the area of fertility. I know for me as a mom, using products on my kids that didn't have a risk of irritating their skin or have any harsh chemicals in them was really, really important for me. That's where Coterie comes in. If you have a baby with sensitive skin or even eczema, you know how difficult it is when they develop a diaper rash. Enter Coterie. Coterie diapers and wipes are made with the most gentle and safe materials to help keep your baby comfortable and you at ease. With all of the many questionable materials and baby products these days, parenting can be scary. You want to keep your baby safe and protected without sacrificing their comfort. With Coterie, your baby can have the cleanest and highest performing diapers with a comfortable feel. Coterie is the highest performing diaper on the market for infants and toddlers with up to two times more liquid capacity and up to four times faster moisture wicking versus other brands. Your baby stays drier longer and Coterie parents report fewer nighttime diaper changes, which I know as a mom is huge. They are dermatologist tested and only use the cleanest ingredients. Plus Coterie wipes are National Eczema Association approved. Coterie has been awarded the best diaper and wipes by both thebumpandparents.com. Right now, Coterie is partnering with my podcast to offer you 20% off your first order plus free shipping at Coterie.com slash reality. That's Coterie spelled C-O-T-E-R-I-E dot com slash reality for 20% off and free shipping. Coterie.com slash reality. What would you do if you didn't have high interest loans or credit card debt? Would you go move to a new city or start a family? Through Upstart, you can pay off your existing debt quickly with a personal loan so you can tackle your next big financial goal. For many people, getting financially healthy means dropping the weight of credit card debt. But where do you start when it feels like a never ending cycle? 
Upstart can help you pay off your existing debt quickly and easily with a personal loan so you can start living your life. If you have multiple credit card balances each month and are only paying the minimums, barely making a dent in your credit card debt, it can be discouraging. Upstart can help you pay off your existing debt quickly so you can feel like you're finally getting ahead. So whether it's paying off those credit cards, consolidating high interest debt, or funding a personal expense, over a million people have used Upstart to get one fixed monthly payment with a clear payoff date. Upstart knows that you're more than just your credit score. So rather than looking at your credit score alone, Upstart's model considers other factors like your income, employment, and other information provided in your loan application to find you a smart rate for your loan. You can check your rate without impacting your credit score in just five minutes for loans between $1,000 to $50,000. You can even receive funds as fast as one business day after accepting your loan. Find out how Upstart can lower your monthly payments today when you go to upstart.com reality. That's upstart.com reality. Don't forget to use our URL to let them know we sent you. Loan amounts will be determined based on your credit, income, and certain other information provided in your loan application. Go to upstart.com slash reality. I have a similar story. I had a, are you familiar with Hidden Hills? Yes. In Calabasas. Okay. The ultra wealthy area. I just had a birth there in um, September and the mom was having a really hard, she was very young and she was having a hard time getting pregnant. He was young too. She was 28 and he was 32 or 33. So you know, you're thinking like, what's going on? But they had done IUI a couple of times, were unsuccessful. And they did it a little bit different. They went out into the jungle and they did like ayahuasca and just like, (laughs) she was just like so stressed about the whole getting pregnant thing. She was like, I'm just going to go and have like a vision quest in the jungle and come back and do another round of IUI. And sure enough, she got pregnant and delivered a very healthy baby girl who was absolutely beautiful. She had a very fast, easy labor. She was very calm throughout her pregnancy, had like zero symptoms. And so while I'm not advocating everyone goes to the jungle and does ayahuasca, I do think that there is definitely this this piece that like for women, our reproductive rights, I think that that our reproductive rights are really in an interesting place right now in this country. You know, we're getting what's happening in Texas with abortion bans and all of these things that are happening are just, I think being a woman, it, it's it's challenging when it comes to our overall well-being and of course, reproduction and the idea of having a child. And then you mix in um, maybe some stress at work or financial stress or whatever it might be. And of course, that's going to take a toll on your well-being. So for the couples who have come or are coming to you who have done a couple of rounds of IUI and who are considering doing IVF and they're, you know, hopeful that this is going to work for them. Are there things that you like recommend that they start doing before they start their treatment with you? You know, I think... 
addressing all aspects of your life before trying to get pregnant is important. So first thing I like to make sure is everyone's on the appropriate supplements, prenatal vitamins, omega-3 DHA, a CoQ10, which is one of the strongest antioxidants and slows down the aging of your eggs. Those are all huge. I think that if you are overweight or unhealthy or have anything that you do like smoking, drugs, excessive alcohol, those are things that you need to address. These are all really important things. Weight is huge. Your weight as a female has a lot to do and it it is reversibly correlate, okay? So the higher your weight goes, the lower your chances of getting pregnant, okay? So weight is really important for the health of your baby and also for your own health during pregnancy and also making sure that mentally you are prepared and ready. Are you seeing an acupuncturist? Like we have an unbelievable acupuncturist that works at my office and I absolutely adore her. She's lovely and she calms my patients down. If you're going to an acupuncturist that's all they're doing is trying to sell you herbs and stressing the hell out of you, you're at the wrong acupuncturist. So you, these are the kind of things that people do. Meditate I think is amazing. So I wish that I would do more, but every time I've done a meditation, I have absolutely loved it. And I found it to be the most resetting aspect of my day. And I think it's so important to take a minute out to relax your brain and to make sure that your brain had a moment of recovery. Because what we do is we put our brain in this relay race of life and it does not get a break. I'm convinced that some nights when I sleep, my brain didn't get one second of rest because it is, <laughs> it is just like nonstop. Yeah. I literally do these exercises when I'm laying in bed to just let go. And then I feel like this release in my body. It's so hard for me to do. And I've worked on it for so long. And I still have trouble doing it because I just can't let go of that stress. And you, everyone feels it, like TMJ and all these things that come along. Like, you know, I'm just wondering sometimes why am I just tightening and clenching for no reason? I have horrible TMJ. Me too. It's Me awful. too. I have a night guard now. Me I feel too. like a grandma when I go to bed. I'm like, sorry, honey, I know I'm not hot. Uh, so <laughs> well, I put in my mouth guard before we go to bed. I have a retainer that has a built-in mouth guard and my little there kids make fun of me that daddy still wears his retainer. But guess what? <laughs> I cannot sleep without it and I ate the worst TMJ as well. So I, the two biggest questions that I got from my audience were, one, my partner is unwilling to see a fertility specialist because he thinks nothing's wrong with him and that it's just my, you know, that whatever it might be. I think that is a hard thing for men. I think when... Men feel like they're that you know we we all have this primal urge to reproduce and some have it more than others and I feel like with men that definitely comes it came up for my husband like even the idea of having a vasectomy like kind of you know and my husband's very progressive he understood that like I shouldn't have to go on birth control after pushing out two kids and doing the whole thing that I went through, you know, but there, there was feelings that came up there. So I, I think that that's very true for some reason, because I guess it's an aspect of your manlyhood, you know, being able, and also womanhood too. So like just being able to reproduce is one of the gifts that um, we've been given as human beings. And people want to make sure that they have that, even if they don't want to have a kid. And I think for some men, it's a big part of being a man. And I think that they are scared that it could be their fault. In this day and age, the statistics are that 40% of fertility is female related, 40% are male related. And because of all of the environmental 
aspects of our lives. About 20%, I think, fall under this unknown category, an unexplained infertility. And that's really scary because there are so many things, like I talked about the age factor. There's so many other things that we just do not know why. Yeah, is it in our food, our water, the way we're eating, our chronic stress, like what we don't our know. Our deodorant, you, our makeup, our, yeah. you know, the things that we put into our hair and our nails and, and all of our, you know, it's a lot of different things these days that were not around when our parents were trying to conceive. So I think these are all things to address. There are some companies that allow you to do your sperm analysis through a home kit. They are definitely not as good as going into a clinic and just giving a fresh sample or bringing your sample from home. Like in our clinic, you could bring it from home and we are happy to analyze it and let you know how you're doing. But I think knowledge is always power. And I think denying something like that and finding out what is going on is a big mistake for many people. Yeah, and, and then the other side of that too is with women, like I I know for me, I really wanted more children. And when I kept having miscarriages and was were not able to conceive in that first year, it was so mentally draining. Like there, I, I don't know if there's, I've been through a lot of hard things in my life. And I would say top three for sure for me was, wanting that child so badly and my body feeling like it was failing me every single month that I was trying. And that was mentally exhausting. And while part of me feels like, I mean, everything worked out the way that it needed to be, I I almost now that I've talked to you on your podcast and you've come on mine, like, I feel like, but maybe it would have been too soon, like six months in, I should have gone and seen someone, but my OB just kept telling me, well, it's normal. It can take a year, wait until the one year mark. And of course I got pregnant on the year mark, but you know, I, I got pregnant, had a very early loss, got pregnant, had a little bit of a later loss. And then it was a year later that I finally got pregnant. Is that sound advice to wait a whole year of trying when you're at the time I was 25? So the pregnant. American Society of Reproductive Medicine gives you the diagnosis of infertility if you're under the age of 35 after you've been trying for one year. Mm-hmm. So, and if you're over the age of 35, it's after six months. Let's say you're 34 years old and you just got married and ready to have kids and you want to have three or four kids. If you are going to wait one year to see what happens and then think you're going to be able to have three to four kids at the age of 35 on, you could just say goodbye to your perfect family right then and there. I am much more from the side of being proactive. Like what would have happened if you consulted with a fertility specialist and did some testing? Let's say they told you all of it is normal. I promise you that that reassurance that you're doing well and your husband is doing well and that things have a great opportunity of happening I promise you all of that would have helped you tremendously. Mm -hmm. And just that knowledge of knowing that things are okay. And guess what? If there was a problem, knowing about it and becoming proactive sooner would be better. So many OBGYNs who are very minimally trained, I remember during my OBGYN training, I had very, very limited training in infertility. And everything I learned, I learned in my fellowship program later on, which is three complete years of training just for fertility. So everything that you want to know, you should find out. And I don't think waiting for those guidelines that the OBs are taught are necessarily accurate for every single person. If you're 23 years old and your periods are irregular, 
Waiting one year is going to solve nothing for you. You are not going to get pregnant within a regular period when you're not knowing when you're ovulating and if you're ovulating. Yes. And I will say as someone who went undiagnosed with pretty mild, but still PCOS, it was like no one could figure out what was going on with me because I was having somewhat regular periods, but like then all of the other symptoms. And so just because like they did an ultrasound and they were like, your periods are somewhat regular, you probably don't have PCOS. And then like, alas, here I am with like all these hormone issues later on in my, you know, now into my thirties. So it is really important to be proactive. And not only that, but I think it's, you know, hormones affect, especially as women, affect so much of our lives. And being informed and educated about how our reproductive systems work and about how our our cycles work and and what our normal levels and ranges should be, I think it's really important. Oh, I would agree with you 100%. And we just met a little too late in life. I did my thesis mm -hmm. in the area of PCOS, oh, polycystic wow. <laughs> ovary syndrome at Cedar sinai with Dr. Ricardo Aziz as my chairman and chief and in charge of helping me. And he's one of the world specialists in PCOS. So it's something that I know to me and helped many, many patients. And not one person has exactly the same characteristics. Yeah. It is a major spectrum. And some people have one or two little things that kind of qualify them. And some people have many more things that you could, from a mile away, you can tell they have PCOS. And it's a very difficult thing to treat. If I knew that, I would have told you never to wait a year because polycystic ovary syndrome patients rarely just ovulate normally every single month. And waiting a year will get you nowhere other than a wasted year. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you so much for coming on. It was a pleasure. And where can everybody follow along with your podcast and with you on social media? Well, thank you so much for having me. I've really enjoyed speaking with you today. My handle is at Dr. Shaheen Gadir on Instagram. And my podcast is called The Fertile Life. Our clinic is called Southern California Reproductive Center. And we're located in the heart of Beverly Hills. We have free webinars that we do every couple of weeks where people can learn a lot about fertility. And before we used to do them in person, and now they're out there and everyone around the world can watch them as much as they want. So we are there to help if anyone needs us. Thank you so much. Thank you. This week's affirmation is, I am successful in all of my endeavors. And so it is. 